Good morning. It is Wednesday, February 7th. This is the Red Sea Roundup. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Deacon Mike Beauvais. Today, as always, we have a great show for you. This morning, we'll be talking with Monsignor Leonard Pavanka about the importance of Ash Wednesday and Lent in the liturgical calendar and some of the things that go along with this, especially how it relates to the things going on in our world. And sometimes we might not take uh, understand fully that the liturgical year is not just in place to take us through the ministry of Christ. The liturgical year also takes us through our life here and now. Right. And so, uh, Monsignor, how are you this morning? I'm doing fine. Deacon Mike, I'm glad to be here with you to discuss uh, Lent and Ash Wednesday. <laughs> I am so happy that you could make it this morning. And also, I think uh, we had a wonderful discussion about Advent. And so I thought, you know, it would be well worth our time to take a look at yeah. Lent because it's next week. Uh, it's Ash Wednesday. Yeah, it's the beginning of that season of 40 days. You know, and this has been part of the church history setting aside time for the whole notion of uh, undergoing conversion. And I like the idea of the ashes because in the Old Testament, ashes, uh, in, you look at the book of Genesis chapter 3, I believe, is in after Adam and Eve sin, it's the Lord who speaks to Adam and says, you are dust and unto dust you shall return. So we put on ashes as a reminder of that penalty of death that comes because of sin. And that's that's kind of the, you know, the, Facing death is like you you say, memento mori, remember you're going to die. That's also part of the getting ready for Lent. We're going to all pass away one, one day, and that and then follows judgment. So the ashes remind us death is coming. Now, what's the good news? <laughs> the good news is that Jesus has overcome death, that we are going to live forever whether we like it or not. And so Jesus wants to be with him forever. And he's, he's overcome sin and death, you know, and the resurrection. So, yeah, I see Lent as a time of, okay, let's look at our lives. Are we conforming ourselves to Jesus? What do you think? Well, I think that uh, we spend so much time conforming ourselves to the world. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I think the whole point of Lent is to do that reversal. Yeah. To yeah. start thinking about, again, what is our final destiny? Right. And should I not be spending a little bit of time conforming myself towards that? Right. And you know, too, Nick and Mike, today in the world, we I hear a lot about Catholics who are saying their sons and daughters are leaving the church. They just stopped practicing the faith. So we're living in very difficult times. But I think the key to maintaining membership in the Catholic Church, the key to handing on the faith effectively and with uh, uh, with good results for the most part, is living the faith and allowing yourself as an adult, as a parent, you know, or as an important figure in somebody's life, to allow yourself to undergo constant con- uh, constant uh, conversion. And, you know, in other words, allow Jesus to work in you, to change you. You know, um, and th- that means a loving, living relationship with the Lord Jesus. And I think uh, people sometimes fail to recognize how important it is to act out our faith. This is one of the reasons uh, the uh, Mass has all these gestures associated with it, because our actions inform our mind. 
And so the more we actually participate in our faith and demonstrate to children that this is worth doing, the more likely they're able to understand why we do what we do. Mm -hmm. And part of that, because dying to self, like you hear a lot about Jesus saying, uh, you you know, if you want to inherit my kingdom, you got to deny yourself and follow me. Those who seek themselves will lose themselves. Those who, who lose themselves for my sake will find themselves. That's an amazing statement. It's a mysterious, amazing statement, which is so true. It's when we give of ourselves, like during Lent, what do we do? Fasting. We have days of fast. We have times to do uh, spiritual works of mercy, going to confession, making sure we're in the state of grace. Abstinence. Uh, abstinence, you know, and all these things. And undergoing, you know, not only just discipline of the body and, and soul, so to speak, but also charity, you know, really loving God and helping people and stuff. Right. Moving outside of ourselves and focusing on the other. Right. Right. And, of course, the big other is God himself. Yes. And then in each other, we see the image of God. Yes. Always. I always tell people when you're looking or when you go to a store and doing grocery shopping or something, you see all these people, you know, just say every person in this store was created by God for eternal glory. And if you look at people that way, it kind of gives you a sense of, wow, you know, I respect everyone in this store. Everyone I'm with right now, I respect because they're made in God's image. And that so often is challenging for us because uh, we tend to be judgmental. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so it becomes difficult for us to just accept someone as a child of God. That is, that's an important point you're making, Deacon Bill, because I'm um, Deacon Mike, because what what's happening is, is that we have a tendency, like you say, to judge people. But what we, what we should look at, it, if we see someone doing something wrong, let's say, you know, we know it's wrong, that objectively speaking, what they're doing is wrong, then if we are able to speak to them or maybe the time is right, we admonish them. But we never judge their soul. We never judge them as a person because only God does that. But we can say, listen, uh, this is not good. Uh, I advise you to, you know, turn away from that. You know, that's what a, a good... Like, for example, a pastor in a parish will preach to his people and say, folks, we know that certain things are not right. Let's avoid those things and let's do these things. So he's admonishing his faithful. Yes. You know, you admonish, whenever someone is doing something wrong, then you have the the responsibility as a pastor, let's say, to admonish, or as a parent, admonishing your children. Yes. But with love. Yes. Now, before we get too far into okay. Lent, what yes. I wanted to talk a little bit about is... Next Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, yeah, uh, and it is one of the busiest days for the church because everyone wants to come and get ashes. They do. <laughs> and so there are two admonishments that go with the p placing of ashes on the forehead. The first being, remember, thou art dust, and to dust you shall return. Right. And the other one is repent and believe in the gospel. Right. So what is the importance of those two? Yeah, that's an, and you, I'm glad you brought up both because the church has embraced both as options for pastors to use. And some pastors maybe will rotate. That one year they'll do, remember your dust and unto dust you shall return. That particular, that comes from Genesis, God's words, God's words to Adam. And that is a reminder, one day I'm going to die, but... You know, the way we know that God made us is we are going to be, we're eternal. 
that even though there is death, I'm going to live beyond death. This is part of our faith. And we have all kinds of reasons for believing life after death. And so that admonition to remember your dust is a reminder death is coming, memento mori. The other one, repent, believe in the gospel, that's Jesus' message. <laughs> for the first time in history, we have God become man, giving good news. If you repent and, and you believe in my good news, you know, you're going to live forever with me. So it's the combination of, yeah, death is coming. That's the first one. But if you undergo conversion, repent, allow yourself to change, see things as I see them, live, by, live life according to my vision as, as Lord and Savior, so to speak, you're going to have eternal life. And see, I think today, you and I know, uh, Deacon Michael, that today's culture is really, how would I put it? It's, what's the word? Uh, I think in a lost, <laughs> but, but greatly lost, but also I think there is this great sense of fear. Yes. Because we have no certainty anymore. Yes. Uh, Christianity has always given us certainty. Absolutely. And we sort of jettisoned that. That's an interesting comment you're making about fear because isn't it true that when you have fear, you actually lack trust and faith? Yes. You lack trust and faith. Like in Eucharist, when we have Mass, we have, the priest makes reference to the fact that we free us from all anxiety. Now, what is anxiety? Anxiety is kind of a fear, kind of a nervousness, because you don't have faith in God. Now, that's on the rise today. There's all kinds of people having anxiety. And it could be because they have lost faith in God lost faith in, you know, what is true. And that brings a lot of anxiety. If you're just kind of confused living in the world, you're going to be affected by that, by that uh, confusion and lack of trust. Well, I think that's a big part of what Hamlet's about, right, is after the Protestant Reformation, what is reality? What is truth anymore? Because before, what the church taught was the truth. Mm -hmm. That was how you grounded yourself in reality. And and the Protestant Reformation and the moral relativism that has followed followed in our culture has really kind of jettisoned so many people from so true uh, clinging like what knowing firm the firm ground of reality I guess and I think maybe during the season of Lent we're called on Ash Wednesday you know to really believe in God to believe every that God has revealed Himself in Jesus that God founded a church Jesus founded one true church to, to express his faith and truth until the end of the world. And Jesus is leading his church. Now, granted, I know today there things can happen in church history, uh, you know, so there can be a lot of confusion at times and all that, but Jesus is always the same. He's always the same, giving us the truth. And so uh, maybe this time of Lent might be a good time for all of us to kind of look at what's going on in the world and deepen our trust, our love for God. So we're, we're at peace with the Lord. We're able to communicate to others, listen, uh, you can be at peace. You know, you don't need to be anxious and worried about things. Even during this confusion, during this difficult time, God has a plan. It's going to work out for the best. As, as Our Lady of Fatima once said, it's going to bring about a triumph of her immaculate heart. I really believe that, and that message has been approved by the Pope. So we, there's something good about the future, even though right now it's looked pretty dark. And I think, again, this is that whole notion of Lent that uh, 
repentance, that conversion thing, part of that conversion needs to be that we go back to trusting that God is in charge. Right. And again, this is what we were talking about. The culture doesn't have that. The culture is basically due to secular humanism and that idea that there is no God. Yeah. Uh, Pope, Pope John Paul called it the culture of death. Now, when I do preaching on this subject, I always always tell people, you know, what did he mean by death? Because we're all going to face death. He meant, uh, as opposed to the culture of life, which means life with God, life with Jesus, culture of death means death with the evil one. So the culture of death is promoting a philosophy, a way of looking and thinking that's dark, that leads to eternal death. You got to We have to remind ourselves of that. So we look at the culture today, and it is, Pope John called it a culture of death. He's right in so many ways when we see so many evils that are being promoted in our world. You know, just to mention a few of them, we see abortion being, killing one more babies. We see same-sex activity contrary to God's plan for sexuality. We see uh, this whole notion of drug abuse, addiction to drugs. You know, we see gender confusion, which is contrary to the way God made us, male and female. So, you know, we look at all these things, maybe also see greed and selfishness and arrogance and this whole philosophy of ideology of, you know, uh, you have to do what I tell you. You have to believe what I w- want you to believe. And you, know, the whole and you have to say what I want you to say. Right. <laughs> all of that is part of darkness. Yes. Um, and this is where the church has this great contrast with the world we live in. We so often, you know, we talk about the gospel and we hardly ever mention what that term means. Right. It's good news. Yeah. The evangelium, the notion that the king has sent a messenger of a great victory. Yeah. That's what evangelium is. And so, you know, what is that great victory? Well, Christ was triumphant over death. Right. So this, the whole conversion part of Lent is yeah. aiming towards Easter. Image toward Easter, and that when the Lord is reigning in your heart, he can, Michael, when the Lord's reigning in your heart, that's it. You know the Lord is the Lord Jesus is king. So the key of the key, the key to understanding Lent is deeper conversion, allowing the Lord more and more to change you, to to form you according to his plan, to make you more charitable, more loving, more forgiving, more faithful to you know his teachings, um, more um kind and merciful. This is I mean, this is the dynamic of having Jesus reign in you. See, this is where we Catholics, especially we Catholics, we need to consider that. Is Jesus reigning in my heart? Am I really living by the Spirit of Jesus, or do I just do certain mechanical things, like mm-hmm. I go to Mass on Sunday, I do this, and I forget about God then? Yes. That's not living for Jesus. A person that lives for Jesus begins his day by thinking about the Lord and say, Lord, today I'm giving you everything I am. I ask you to guide me, show me the way. That's what Lent is supposed to bring about. Not this, well, I'm going to fast during Lent and maybe drink, don't have coffee or beer, whatever. And then nothing changes about our own interior spirituality. No, it's, it's deeper. It's well, that's the challenge is because we tend to want check boxes. (laughs) Give me a list. This is what I need to do. And I'll check them off during Lent and then I'll be a better person. Yeah. But the challenge is the whole point of Lent is become more like Christ. Right. And you're going, well, what's the list? Well, there is no list. Read the scriptures the and do that. 
<laughs> it's the gospel. Repent, yes. believe in the gospel. Exactly, which is the whole point back to Ash Wednesday. Right. You know, why the church has allowed that second option. Now, one thing I want to say, too, from a canonical point of view, one of the things the church has always maintained, like with sacraments, is that they're not magic. Yes. You know, some Catholics think, well, if I do this and this, I'm going to be holy. Not necessarily. No. Sacraments only work with proper dispositions. Now, for example, to have baptism, you got to have faith. Someone has to have faith to receive baptism. If it's a baby, the parents have the faith. If it's an adult, you got to have faith. Now, uh, like, for example, confession. You have to have the interior disposition of sorrow for your sins, a resolve not to sin again, and, uh, and the humility to confess those sins to Christ's representative, the priest. All those are critical dispositions. If you don't have one, like let's say a person confesses their sin. Well, these are my sins, Father. Okay, and, I, and the priest says, are you, are you sorry and you resolve not to do them again? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the priest has to get that disposition of, Father, I'm going to do my best with God's help not to sin again. That's, what, that's that disposition. You go to Eucharist. You're receiving Jesus. Well, you know, if you receive Jesus with a loving heart and you say, Lord, I believe it's you, your body, blood, soul, and divinity, come into my heart, change me. Bingo, that's it. But if you walk up to Eucharist, just like a piece of bread, I'm just putting out your hand, you're eating Eucharist-like bread, yeah. nothing's going to happen. And I think uh, when I talk about this in RCIA, I always mention the fact that the sacraments imply cooperation. Right. God doesn't give us something and says, you're done. Right. God gives us something and says, okay, now do something with this. Right. And uh, I... I always reminded of uh, there's this joke about somebody says, you know, uh, at the beginning of the year, I joined this gym. I've been uh, a member now for six months. Nothing has changed. Tomorrow I'm going to go down there and ask why. <laughs> but that's the whole point. It is. is, you know, okay, now I've joined the church. Why has nothing changed? Yes, that's a good point. It's an amazing point because you're right, because God expects us to, uh, he expects us to undergo change with his help. I often, Ponder what Dr. David Andrews once said on his program about, you know, once saved, always saved. Yes. We don't believe in that because even though it is Jesus who saves us and we have to have faith to be saved, the beginning of faith brings about the sacraments. But once we enter into grace, once we Jesus, okay, I'm baptized and I receive the Holy Spirit, it's not a matter of once saved, always saved. It's a matter of daily working yes. out that salvation. Yes. Because you could lose your soul. Yes. I mean, it's you got to daily cooperate daily allow Jesus uh, to change you, to help you grow in love. If you're a spouse in a marriage, you're going to have to undergo a lot of self-sacrifice, and you're going to have to go through a lot of love of the other, love of your children, love of your spouse, accepting, being forgiving, merciful, respecting your children, yet disciplining them in love. You have a, it's a tremendous responsibility, but it's all part of that, a part of what God wants us you know, to accomplish. He wants us to undergo conversion. On a daily basis. On a daily basis. And I think this is, you know, uh, the whole idea that, you know, once saved, always saved is so contrary to everything that the gospel tells us. Absolutely. Because the gospel constantly reiterates the fact that I have to do something. And then it spells out what those things are. Right. Uh, Mark, uh, Matthew 25 the whole list. Yeah, the judgment scene. Yes, do this. If you didn't do this, you're out. Right. Oh, how shocking, but I thought I was in. 
Yeah, remember that one passage where Jesus gives the example of somebody, uh, they're outside the gate of heaven, and they say, uh, Lord, Lord, let us in. And Jesus says, I do not know you. And see, they said, we, we, we ate with you, we drank with you, all these things. See, they were believers, quote, unquote, mm-hmm. quote, unquote. But they were not admitted because they didn't know mm-hmm. Jesus and that interior conversion that you have to. Right. They, didn't, they didn't allow Jesus to reign in their hearts. Yes. I forget what saying it was that talked about every heart, either, either Jesus reigns or you, you reign. Yes. <laughs> the ego reigns. Yes. And, that, and if the ego reigns, Satan reigns. Yes. No, I think uh, the uh, idea that we have that um, we can just basically sail through life. And uh, what you were talking about, you know, the line in there about, you know, hey, we ate with you, we drank with you. My thought is always, you know, there are people that go to Mass every Sunday that eat and drink with Jesus. Right. And it does not change anything in their life. Yeah, I know. How sad. And this is what that passage refers to. Absolutely. And anyone else, any other Christian in the world, people that are Christian are going to claim, we ate with you, we drank with you. But Jesus said, even among Christians, there will be Mm -hmm. those excluded. Because why? That he says, I do not know you. Yes. Now, that means that not that Jesus, obviously knew them, you know, he's God. But what he meant was they never allowed Jesus to... Uh, into their hearts, right. so Jesus would be their friend, their savior, you know, their king. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, very much so. Which brings us back to the whole point of Lent, mm-hmm. because the whole point of Lent, that sense of self-denial, yes, that con- continuous conversion process for forty days, right. That's what it's all about, right. It's that we go through those forty days examining our conscience, looking at ourselves and saying, what do I have to modify in my life in order to become more like Jesus? Right. And I want to also highlight for our audience, on Ash Wednesday, we're permitted you know, as Catholics to have one full meal and then two minor meals on that day. We call that, uh, we call that fasting. Plus, we're called to abstain from any meat on Ash Wednesday and also Good Friday. And during the Fridays of Lent, during the Fridays of Lent, we're called to abstain from meat. Now, uh, we do fasting on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. That means only one meal. On Fridays of Lent, you avoid meat, but you're still called to do some penance. In addition to that, you know, like you said, overcoming yourself, being more charitable, uh, thinking about others, you know, Doing things to help others—it's you know—it's part of our Lenten growth closer to the Lord. And I wanted to uh, talk a little bit more about that aspect of it—the fasting and the abstinence part mm-hmm. of it. And so often, when I talk to even Catholics, to them it seems arbitrary. You know, well, why does the church say you know on these two days you fast, or you know on Fridays you give up meat? What's yeah. the point? Yeah, it's interesting. Lent began when you look at the forty days, and you exclude Sundays because you look at forty days excluding Sundays. You you go back if you go just if you begin at Lent on 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 Sunday, you're missing. You're at thirty six days, so you go four more days back is is Wednesday. (laughs) So beginning Wednesday, that's the beginning of Lent. And the church says, okay, we're beginning this liturgical season. We're going to mark it with conversion ashes to remind us of our death to remind us we're all called to undergo conversion that's why it's on Ash Wednesday secondly 
on Friday. That's the day Jesus died. Yes. That's the day he died on the cross. We we look at every Friday we think about Jesus' death. We should, and how how much he loved us. So yeah, we fast on that day, especially during Lent. Now, also, footnote, during the other Fridays of the year, <laughs> you're supposed to do some penance. Yes. Uh, you're, and when I say penance, we're overcoming our egos. Remember, we're allowing God to rule us, guide us. We want to give up our feelings and thoughts for what God wants. That's a major conversion when you can allow God yes. to guide you and lead you. Yeah, so I find it interesting uh, that, you know, Growing up, we never ate meat on Friday, ever. Really? <laughs> and, uh, you know, my mother would make, uh, you know, potatoes and spinach and eggs or, you know, anything that did not contain meat. And, of course, as I got older, we had tuna salad and right. whatever. But the church never changed that. All it did is say that in place of this, yes. you are free to insert some other form of Correct. penance. And that sort of got washed away. Yeah, and everybody just goes, well, the church changed it. I can eat meat on Fridays. Well, yeah. that's not what the church said. Yeah, and and notice what you're saying too, Deacon Mike, is that you're really by saying that you're you're putting our minds to focus on Jesus. Yes, you're, you're saying it's all about the Lord. He died on a Friday. We should be thinking about whatever penance we. Now, I'm not saying, for example, you can't do away with coffee and beer and stuff like that. Yes. you can do that as a yes. way of disciplining yourself. Yes, that's fine. But do it for the Lord. Yes. Do offer that. Say, Lord, I know I really like this. I'm going to mm-hmm. give it up because I really love you, and it's going to be a sacrifice. But I do it for you. You're bringing that intention to it. Yes. So it's not just do A B C D, but it's just going to be the spirit and the reason why you're doing it. Right. Because so often when you ask people, well, what are you giving up for Lent? The answer is chocolate. Well, why are you giving <laughs> up chocolate? Well, I give it up every year. No, 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 no. Why did you? Are give you up. giving it up every year? Right, and so this is again the whole point behind the church's uh, discipline yes. of uh, having abstinence and fasting during Lent is to teach us self-denial. Right, to remind us that it is possible for me to say no to myself, and I think so often, especially in our culture, that's a concept that's alien to us. Right, why should I deny myself anything? I have a credit card. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a, a great temptation. You know, the the culture really promotes the ego, promotes selfishness, and you know, I no one tells me what to do. That yes. kind of attitude, and and yet the culture is telling us what to do. Yes, I mean they they force ideologies on us all the time. So we have to be very prudent, very smart, very loving. But I want to call our young people today to to really embrace the faith, really embrace Jesus. Young people that are confused, many of them are you know are into all kinds of bad stuff. And sometimes they even think about suicide. I I just want to tell young people, listen, God created you for a tremendous purpose, a tremendous glory. And, and don't let the culture catechize you. Let the church catechize, let Jesus catechize you. Let him give you the teaching that is true. You know, don't follow the culture, turn it off. You don't need to watch the culture when it's promoting Mm -hmm. a lot of bad stuff. Well, I think this is, uh, the challenge of communicating with young people today is that God created them for greatness, that there is no limit to the possibilities of what they can do with the grace of God. Absolutely. And we've lost that message. Now the message the young people are hearing 
is that if you're famous on TikTok, that's as great as it's going to get. Yeah, how sad. Yes, and this is, it's make-believe. Yeah, I call young people to really turn off their iPhones and stuff and get to talk to people and meet with people. Because if you're basing your life on how many likes and dislikes on, on Facebook, this is, this is crazy. This is insanity. Yes. You know, you need to meet people, get out there and, and form relationships, have fun with others. You know, that's a big, that's a big part of our culture today that with all this media, kids are being hurt and wounded because they are basing their lives on just, how would I put it? Just uh, false uh, bases, you know, yes. uh, you know, uh, God made us for wondrous things, for eternal life with him. Not, we're not, we shouldn't be influenced by, by the media. So I just call young people to really rethink their use of the media. And Lent is a perfectly good time to do this. Yeah. Say, for instance, on Fridays, you decide to turn off your phone Yay. during daylight hours <laughs> or do something, yeah. you know, at night rather than being on the phone. Spend time playing a game with your family or something. Great idea. And so, you know, the possibilities of Lent are unlimited almost. But that's the whole point of Lent is can I make a positive change in my life that's going to help me be more Christ-like? I want to also suggest to our audience, you know, one thing Catholics could do, I know there are some programs on, on Catholic Radio for reading the Bible in one year. Mm-hmm. I really want to strongly encourage Catholics to read the Bible in one year. And there, there are programs and even lists of doing this today. That, along with try to read the catechism. I think there's one on reading the catechism yes. in one year. I strongly recommend those. That's a great way to expose your soul to deeper, deeper thinking spiritually. You know, if you have a deep thought of spiritual life, it's like reading a great classic like the Dialogue of St. Catherine of Siena. And you read that classic and you get it a taste of what spiritual life really is all about, it's amazing how that can impact your soul and lead you to a lot of deep understanding that give your life meaning. It's like when things, when bad things happen in the world today, people go crazy. If you're deeply spiritual, you look at things that are happening and say there's a reason for this. Maybe, maybe there's a cross to carry here. You do it for the Lord. But maybe it whatever happens teaches you something very deep about human life, about God, just about things in general. And so that's what I'm going to say. Just, you know, catechism, Bible, maybe a spiritual classic. Uh, get into these things. Allow yourself to be affected, influenced by this profound wisdom that comes from, from God through the, through the catechism, you know, through the Bible and through other spiritual classics. And so often people are intimidated by the idea of reading the Bible on their own or reading the catechism on their own. But this is what's so wonderful about the program with Father Mike Schmidt. Yeah. Is it's easy to follow, mm -hmm. and he does such a wonderful job of guiding us through it. Yes. Which we are now playing at 7 a.m. in the morning. morning. Oh, yes. awesome. So we yes. invite people to join that. Right. Uh, so uh, now when you join, you're going to be starting uh, – uh, in the, um, at the beginning, but not at the complete beginning because we've started it at the beginning of the year. So I think we're like 30 days, 35 days in. But uh, you can go on YouTube and start at the beginning or wherever yeah. you get podcasts, start at the beginning, follow it along. Uh, you can join at any time. 
But uh, make this a plan for Lent. Good idea. At least beginning, and then I can almost guarantee you that you're going to continue after Lent once you get started for 40 days. Right, right. And even his, uh, yeah, the Bible in a year and catechism in a year, both are very good. Yes. So, Which brings me up to one other thing I wanted yeah. to talk about, and this is, the, I'm always amazed at how God works. Uh, one of the fascinating things to me is that psychiatry has shown that in order to build a habit, it takes on average 40 days. Really? Yes. To form a habit. Yeah. Wonder why God chose 40 days for Lent. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting comment. Yes. And so I think that, you know, if we're going to do something during Lent, let's do it with the intention that this is going to change our life. Absolutely. You know, like, for example, I know prayer is so important. I want to suggest, I mentioned this at one of the masses I did last week, I think, to the congregation, was that begin your day with prayer. Maybe you're not used to doing that. But let me just say this about prayer in the morning when you first get up. It affects your whole day. Yes. If you think about God, when you get out of the bed, you're thinking about the Lord, and you think, Lord, thank you for this day, guide me, or whatever, whatever prayer time you can set up, if you begin the day with prayer, it colors the rest of your day. Because you've got that prayer to God in the background, and things that thing happen throughout the day, you know, you're going to put God's vision into that somehow. Yes. So I just want to say, yeah, maybe during Lent, if you're not used to getting up early in the morning and praying, maybe that's a habit to develop. Monsignor, yes. I've heard um, some priests talk about how they're taught to pray in a lit, in a more deep and meditative kind of contemplative prayer mm -hmm. than maybe the lay person is kind of taught in their normal everyday lives through religious education and such. Um, do you have some maybe words of advice on how, how to practice kind of a deeper form of contemplative prayer for the lay person? That's a good question. Actually, the, I think the key is as you read the Bible, as you read the catechism, as you read, let's say, spiritual classics, uh, you got to allow that word to speak to you. Like, for example, one of the things that affected me, and because when, you, when you're doing spiritual reading and contemplation, you're allowing God to speak to you and allowing God to change you. When I was reading the dialogue of St. Catherine of Siena, one of the things that really impressed my soul was like, God our Father told Catherine, you will not ever get close to me unless you know yourself. Know your brokenness. See, that's original sin. Know your brokenness. And then when you see your brokenness, see how good I am and by recognizing the goodness of God, our own inadequacy and brokenness, God has comes to our rescue and we embrace his goodness. So whatever goodness we have within us as Christians is there because of God. The only thing that we can claim as our own, as our Lord told St. Faustina, was our sins. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, so when you're doing that reading, allow yourself to think, even scripture reading, you look you're reading a gospel passage, you know, you say, wow, what if I were there? And would this lady, you know, that with, uh, that with, has a sick child or let's say the, the man born blind or whatever, whatever the story is, allow yourself to be into that story. And what is Jesus telling you? And you meditate on that. What is Jesus telling me by this story right now? What about the sower and the seed? What kind of rock? Am I the rocky ground or am I, am I filled with uh, you know, thorns and thistles, or am I that real rich soil that can really allow God to work in me? So, you know, you, it's 
I think that's a good question, Caleb. You know, uh, to meditate. And then, then it has to affect your life. Let it change you, you know. And one uh, thing I would add to that is uh, I have always strongly believed that the key to happiness is gratitude. Absolutely. And so it would be well worth our time to begin our day thanking God for everything he has given us. Absolutely. Because that will frame our attitude for the rest of the day. Yeah. Thank you for the things that I have, rather than, Lord, I want this. And isn't it interesting when people now, I know I've, I've met a lot of people live at, through radio, uh, like listen to EW10 and Relevant Radio. Uh, the, uh, when you hear people give their talks and give their, their life story and stuff, it's always amazing how they met the Lord Jesus, how the Lord has changed them and is changing them now. It's like, wow. They are instruments for Jesus now because they have entered into a, a, an experience of conversion. They've allowed Jesus to change them. And I think this, is, this can be true of everybody, all of us. Yes. No one excluded. Everybody has a story to tell. Yes, and the thing is there's no limit to what God is able to do with us. Absolutely. Once we allow him to work through us. Yeah. So whether you're an older person, medium-aged person, a young person, a child— yeah, God, God has a plan. He's He's walking with you. You know, as we say, we accompany. He accompanies us. <laughs> he's uh, He's with us and He's guiding us. And so we got to keep that in mind. You know, it just gives great uh, uh, comfort to know that you know that to know that that yeah, we're this season of Lent is a great opportunity to deepen that life of God with us, the wisdom of God. Um, you know, I love the Old Testament books of uh, Proverbs and wisdom. Yes. They say so much about life. And how many young people are aware of those books? Yes. Man. And they speak the truth because they, they the tell truth. us how we truly are yeah. rather than how we pretend we are. Right. And they call us to conversion. You yes. Know? Yeah. So it's it's amazing how. Uh, so this really, we put it this way too, Deacon Michael, this, this season of Lent is a blessing from God. Yes. It is an opportunity for us to say, okay, look at your life, what's going on, how— how close are you, you know, to the Lord? Use this time as an opportunity to allow the Lord to more and more deepen his, your love for him and, your, and, your, and to allow you to let him into your heart. So, I mean, so this is really, uh, though it seems like a very penitential time, it's very, very positive. Yes. It's a very positive season. Because ultimately it calls us to be more Christ-like, which should be Amen. the goal of our lives Every single day. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and God gives us all these means and methods, all these things we can use in that, in that journey. Sacraments. He gives us, you know, I mentioned the Bible, the catechism, and he gives us other people. How many people have been really lifted in faith by other Catholic evangelists? Yes. You know, the RC radio is based on the thought that we're going to share with you the Catholic faith because maybe you're at a spot where you need to hear something and God's going to deliver it to you through Red Sea Radio. <laughs> so, I mean, in other words, that's how it works. Well, this is the thing, is that if we enter into the season of Lent with those two mottos, remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return, yeah. and repent and believe in the gospel, mm -hmm. that gives us impetus. One, we're not living for this world. We're going to die in this world. Right. We're living for the next. And how do we live in this world, well, we change. Absolutely. We become who Christ created us to be, but not who we are now. 
Right. It's, it's just an amazing thought when you think about that. It gives such, cast such light upon the meaning of life, you know. And also, you reflect, like you said, uh, remember, man, you are dust, and unto dust you shall return and repent and believe in the gospel. Those, those statements that come from ultimately from Jesus, from God, Old Testament, the book of Genesis, New Testament, Jesus' gospel. In fact, that was Jesus' first thing to say in the Mark's gospel. Repent, yes. repent. He didn't say, you guys are okay, I'm okay, let's all be happy. No, he said, repent. The kingdom of God is here. Monsignor, we've got a minute left. Could you send us out with a blessing for yes. Lent? We ask the Lord's blessing upon all of you who are part of this radio listening time. May God's blessing be with you. May the Holy Spirit guide you during this Lent. May the blessed mother wrap her mantle around you and, and help you walk in the ways of her son Jesus. May all the saints in heaven intercede for you. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit come down upon you and remain with you now and forever. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, Monsignor, thank you very much for being on the program. Glad to be here. Uh, I can't believe how quickly the time passed by. Uh, and I hope our listeners had a little bit of an introduction to the season of Lent and some impetus uh, how to approach Lent as we get to it. Now, I want to remind everyone, this is part one of the roundup. We're going to be back after the commercial break. Well, our short break, and uh, we will see you on the other side. So don't go away. All this I-